0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the EOS Fireside Chat for July 5th, 2023. Happy belated Canada Day to all the Canadians out there. Happy belated Independence Day to all the Americans out there. Hope you guys were able to spend some good times with friends and family. Now it's time to spend some time with your crypto family. So we've got a nice light summer show for you today. Potentially light, potentially long. We never really know. We've got eight topics lined up. Three special guests. We're talking about EOS EVM incentive program, a new blog post, as well as a new app that's enabled the EOS EVM called Collectify. We're going to look a bit into that. Q2 Masari report is out the state of EOS. I went through it, highlighted some fun stats for you guys. EOS Go article summing up the block one story was recently published talking about the ongoing lawsuits. BoAid has an article on improving data security. Zysan has a webinar on DAOs. They're partnering with Haifa to do this. WarfKit is, of course, being built. As always, Aaron going to give us some updates about that today. Zach Gull went on a Wave Act podcast. And the Eden election coming up this weekend. Only have a couple days left to register. There's new proposals from the current CDs. And we'll have Mo joining us at the end of the show to talk about this new proposal, and uh, yeah, I've got a couple of questions I'm looking forward to asking him, And but before we get to that, we're going to go jump into our first topic of the day, EOS EVM. So, although this may not be news for the regular Fireside listeners, the EVM Innovation Program, the EOS EVM Innovation Program, EEIP, offers financial support to dApps looking to deploy on the EOS EVM. We've talked a bit, a, a bit about it previously. There's a new blog post kind of clearing up uh, some details and making things nice and easy for us to share with potential dApps that are interested in building on EOS EVM. So a couple highlights for you from this article. It explains how the EOS EVM Incentive Program, EEIP, not only offers financial support, but also additional resources to assist participants with marketing and development. This incentive program is intended to further extend the EOS Network Foundation's mission to coordinate financial and non-financial forms of support for EOS, while also complementing other funding mechanisms such as the ENF Grant Framework, Pomelo and EOS Network Ventures continues on to say that it's important for these funding programs to exist as more projects embrace a multi-chain approach. This program ensures that the EOS EVM remains remains a viable option for deployment. And of course, they touch a bit upon the recent release of of EOS EVM version 0.5, which will enable DeFi liquidity incentives through Yield Plus to further strengthen the ecosystem's potential. So nice little article here uh, published by the EOS Network Foundation. want to start, the, start off the show with that if you're new to the EOS ecosystem, if you've heard of the highly performant EOS EVM and you want to deploy on it, the, um, the ecosystem is very welcoming. There's lots of opportunities for, uh, for these potential dApps. So let's spread the word, spread this article and let's continue to see growth in EOS EVM adoption. Speaking of, Collectify is an application that recently enabled EOS EVM. So I'm gonna share some links here in the chat. I'm gonna share a picture as well, kind of what this looks like. And it's a social media contest tool blended with blockchain quests which is very popular across the EVM world. And now that EOS has enabled the EVM, it's easy for these sites, for example, Collectify to add the EOS EVM as the list of supported networks where anyone can go in, create contests, blending a mix of social media follows along with signing in with your EOS EVM account and performing specific actions on the blockchain. So right away we see MathWallet leveraging this new integration. MathWallet we talked about last week or the week before about how they recently integrated EOS EVM and now you can see them leveraging another tool that recently integrated EOS EVM, which is really great to see. And what's really interesting about these partnerships and these integrations on these platforms is that these platforms have a very wide audience. Uh, an audience that, for example, our social media accounts uh, within the community may not be able to easily reach, while when they see these quests show up on these websites, it's much easier for them to be interested, doing some quests, getting their first EOS EVM account created, getting in there using some apps, and uh, you know, joining the ecosystem. Thank you. So, so that's very cool. Fireman, welcome to the show. I'm going to give you a quick server mute here. And
1: uh, was that Zach I was hearing? Yeah, just um, just MathWallet running the contest in general. I mean, they, they're running it through Twitter using uh, the Collectify app. But the big thing is MathWallet, they, they have 800,000 uh, Twitter followers. So it's just really nice to see that um, the cooperations are going to be ongoing, but this is just uh, the first. So MathWallet, um, we already talked about it a week or two ago, like you said. But it, it's a really big wallet. I think it's the 10th or the 11th. I, I can't. I don't have the exact number in front of me. Wallet that's natively integrated the EVM. So that's a little bit different. It's, it's. There's different levels of integrations. Like for example, MetaMask. You could plug in any custom RPC node, and essentially you could integrate any EVM network, including uh, test nets. But the difference with um, these integrations that we've been announcing, with like Fox Wallet, Math Wallet, a lot of those other ones, is that it's like natively integrated, so it's like in the drop down list of chains that they support, the logos on the site. So it's just like a different level of support. And with MathWallet in particular, um, we're running some cross promotions with them. And this is, like I said, the first of more to come. But um, and then going back to the BD campaign, uh, that the blog post was about um, a few hours ago. The big thing with that is it's tailored towards existing projects with existing user bases. So there's KPIs attached to the, the 50K. So th- there's different levels. So there's like a, a lower threshold and an upper threshold. To get to 50K would mean that they're going to be held accountable to different uh, daily active users. Uh, metrics, for example, um, not all of that information was included in the, the blog post, mainly because we want all of the inbound leads we can get. Um, and on top of that, we've been doing our own, like this isn't a new program. We've talked about it on multiple fireside chats that is ongoing in the background. Um, our teams bought done done traditional networking in person events. Also bought email lists. So there's been ongoing conversations with dozens of uh, existing projects for the last two months or so right now. Uh, several of them are in the final stages. So. Hopefully in the next uh, week or two, we'll be able to roll out more announcements of uh, bigger applications deploying to the EVM so there's more things to do on the EVM. But I did want to specify that um, if if you're like listening and you're a new project, then you're most likely still going to want to go through the grant framework. Um, but the reason like the KPIs and everything weren't detailed in the post was because the general idea is to get as many inbound leads as possible. And then um, we have people on our product team who are keeping specific blocks of time open on their calendar to make it really easy to book time with them, to have uh, intro calls with those projects. It's been taking up a, a lot of um, their time each week because they're actually taking the time to meet face-to-face with all of these different uh, like Polygon and like Ethereum projects and things like that. So really exciting. But um, we'll have, I guess, <laughs> news to share as soon as uh, we're able to, and the the deals are finalized and things like that. But there's uh, several of them that are in the very final stages.
0: All right, thanks, Zach, for jumping in there with some more uh, details. Exciting stuff! I'm personally excited to see you know Yalcivm enabled on Collectify. I've been looking for some new ways to run some <laughs> social media contests these days, and so this looks very interesting. We'll see. We'll see what we can do with it. Any anyone else uh, out here? Maybe want to share some recent EOS EVM experiences, or if uh, if you have any questions uh, for Zach, maybe about these recent programs. Now's the time uh, to ask your
1: questions. A question in the
0: text chat: Liquid staking. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm not I'm
1: not uh, knowledgeable enough really to touch this question. But so forward, um, what I can say is we're also trying to finalize the um, EVM product roadmap. Um, one of the features on there is something that's we've been discussing since before the launch, and that is um, the ability to uh, enable the trustless bridge to move not just the EOS token itself, um, but additional uh, altcoins, because that's one of the functions that uh, wasn't in the MVP, but it will be in a a future version. So that's really the missing piece for what would enable a liquid staking product. Um, The ENF will not be building out any liquid staking product because um, if we were to do, like the the tokens that are staked um, need to be basically like voting and per- participating in governance and things like that. So we're not really going to touch that. But there are already products like DeFi Box has um, the sEOS uh, token, for example, at staked EOS. So um, once the trustless bridge does enable the additional altcoins, that would open up the possibility for um, a project with a staked EOS uh, liquid staking token to get it whitelisted onto the trustless bridge. Um, so the other piece of that trustless bridge is whenever it first rolls out with the altcoins, it will only work for whitelisted uh, projects uh, just to kind of cover some security gaps. Um, so Tether will obviously be the very first one. Um, and then there will be a process in place of how more could get added. but um, I do hope to see a liquid staking product. I think that would be great because currently um, all of the governance takes place on the, the native chain on EOS. And then if you have your EOS on the EOS EVM, it's not able to uh, participate in RECs, for example, or the uh, voter proxies uh, with rewards. So having a liquid staking product is something that I hope to see, but it's not something that will be on um the ENF's roadmap in particular, but the function uh, will be enabled with the, the next version of the trustless bridge that'll roll out in the next, I don't know the exact time frame, but probably- should
0: have asked uh, earlier, but what exactly is liquid staking for those who may not be too familiar with that?
1: It's just um, a derivative of a staked token. So think of it like when you deposit, when you stake your EOS to, to vote, you can't move that EOS token. It's not liquid. You can't move it. You can't transfer. It. You can't swap it. Um, all liquid staking is is you get a derivative token as a receipt for your, your staked position. And then, typically, if there's a liquidity pool for that staked token, you could swap in and out of it. Um, you, you basically get the best of both worlds. You get liquidity and staking at the same time. Um, there's, Definitely security trade-offs and uh, governance trade-offs. But it's, a, it's think of it like LIDO staking on, on Ethereum. So staked, F, staked, staked ETH is like one of the most uh, common versions of a... Like the LIDO version is the most common version of staked ETH on Ethereum. So people, you could hold that token and it's the same as having a staked ETH but without giving up your liquidity. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, that makes sense.
1: Uh, yeah, OK. I just, there's some recent
0: drama, I think, of like the next evolution of liquid staking. I've seen some rumblings around there. I thought that's what we were uh, maybe alluding to here. But liquid staking on EOS, yeah, seems uh, seems cool. So next, next bridge features will enable projects to, to implement this if they want to, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, I don't know if anyone else actually has one live, but DeFi Box does have one live um, where you could stake EOS into it and then you get the S-EOS token in return. I don't know if they allow that to be used as collateral, but that's they a do. good example. Good. Okay, so that's... I've,
0: done, I've actually done that. I've actually done that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so think think of it like that. So so you get more utility for, for your uh, asset. Normally, you would be get, if you wanted to borrow against your EOS, which a lot of people do to lever up or whatever. Um, if you're in a staked position because you're voting for Rex and to Gen or the EOS Nation proxy, you can no longer use that token, that EOS token in DeFi because it's in a staked locked position and it takes three days to unstake. Um, so, with like the DeFi Box vote, for example, you could stake your EOS into it there's there's a withdraw fee to get out of it um, but but you're able to basically earn the the 5% yield on your staked EOS while at the same time having this liquid SEOS token and there is a liquidity pool for it so if you have a few thousand dollars of it then you can easily swap with like minimal if any slippage if you've got like a position of like a 100 couple hundred thousand dollars not sure how deep the pool is right now, then you'd have a harder time being able to instantly swap out of it. So in that case, you'd have to like send your SEOs token back to the pool and then wait some time frame before getting your regular EOS back. Um, the same thing happens in Ethereum, even with super, super deep liquidity pools. Anytime there's major volatility, for example, the price of because typically your staked token, your your liquid staked token, and then the regular token should be relatively the same price because they really are the same token. Um, but in times of volatility, when there's a lot of selling pressure on the staked, the liquid staked token, then the price of the the staked position tokens can sometimes be cheaper or even significantly cheaper um, than the original asset itself. So sometimes. Um, speculators would actually buy up those tokens because the only risk is that there's a, li- there's a time frame to withdraw. So, for example, if you could buy staked EOS for 90% of the price of regular EOS, then you would probably buy up those tokens and you could immediately start the unstaking process, which might take three or four days. I, I don't know what DeFi boxes rules are, um, but then you could basically collect that delta. Knowing that you'd be open to the volatility that occurs during that unstaking period, but it does create uh, a nice arbitrage opportunity
0: Right on right on good stuff all right moving on to our next topic q2 uh the state of eos q2 Misari report so this was released i think just a couple of days ago um always nice to see messari doing the deep dive into the state of eos on chain couple couple interesting stats that I noticed while reading the report here that I'm going to share with you guys. But, of course, there's a lot more data contained in this report. So, if you're curious, definitely click on over, scroll through, um, check out some of the graphs, of course. But some of the key insights that they share include, of course, the EOS EVM sharing that the network so far has accumulated over 1 million in TVL which I was aware of and averaged over 5000 daily transactions which I, I didn't know so uh that that's some nice numbers to see in terms of daily transactions um They also talk about ecosystem growth initiatives that have been targeting GameFi and EVM-based projects, so that's some good marketing for, of course, EOS Network Ventures, and Pomelo as well is mentioned, and then they also follow up talking about the EOS Native Consensus Upgrade that is coming in Q4 of this year and will bring near-instant finality to the network. And, you know, among other network and decentralization improvements, near instant finality will fully unlock the potential use cases of Antelope IBC, a cross-chain protocol that launched early this year. So that's very exciting. And I asked Nome from the UX network, who's very familiar with this topic, if he wanted to come on today. He was busy today, but he will be joining us next week to talk more about this instant finality and some updates around there. So if you've got questions around this topic, if you've got technical questions, you can, of course, ask them uh, to Guillaume next week. All right, if we scroll down a bit further down in the article, we've got uh, later on here in the EOS EVM section saying uh, that there's been, you know, a net inflow of over... Four million EOS, and then an outflow of 1.4, and then also there was the exploit that happened, which uh, came in and affected these numbers. But from what I can tell, there's been over one million EOS tokens bridged over from EOS native to EOS EVM. Uh, the total bridging volume via multi-chain is 2.2 million dollars. And uh, so those were some of the stats that I found interesting in the EOS EVM section. Going back to EOS native, um, another big part of the network that doesn't get as much attention lately. So I was curious to to learn that there's over 200 million EOS staked and voting for validators. That represents around 17% of the circulating supply. And there's an additional 107 million EOS that's staked but not voting for validators which uh, which stood out to me. Um, what else do we have here talking about upgrades and roadmap? Of course, they mentioned uh, the EOS EVM version 0.5 that was launched, how it's also going to enable yield plus initiatives on the EVM. They talk about Antelope IBC. And as well, like I mentioned earlier, the how the teams have been working to implement, a modified variant of Hot Stuff BFT-based protocol developed by the Facebook team working on Libra. So that's part of the upgrade that will bring near-instant finality that we can talk to Guillaume you know, more about uh, next week. Unless there's some other people that are very knowledgeable about the topic, I want to jump in here and share some of your thoughts with the community. Of course, always free to do that. Some other stats here that uh, they highlighted was that there was an average of almost 200 daily calls for EOS IBC-related contracts uh, from an average of just 26 daily addresses. So still interesting to see. Of course, uh, rounding out the top six contract groups by daily active addresses. This is back on EOS Native. Got... Some classic names that we've seen uh, around for a long time, Prospectors, Crypto Dynasty, Atomic Hub, and Wombat Dungeon Master, some of the more popular dApps on the EOS native side. And there you go, kind of some of the highlights from the Q2 uh, report from Misari. So thanks for joining everyone today's EOS community fireside chat, whether you're live on discord, tuning in from Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever it is, leave some comments, ask some questions, join us, join me on stage here. We'd Love to hear from you guys. Stay tuned until the end of the show. Always have the community open mic section, some off topic banter. Some people sometimes sing, um, And uh, yeah, make sure to keep spamming the chat, some emojis and some memes. Makes the show visually interesting for everyone. All right, moving on to our next topic. EOS Go's recent article title is Block One's House of Blocks Crumbling. So again, nice article here that's gonna recap a lot of things that we've talked about in previous Fireside chats. So there's nothing necessarily new to point out here, but it is a well-written article by a team that is clearly very knowledgeable about the EOS community, about its history, and about Block One, and kind of walks over the walks the reader across uh, some of the history behind some of the actions that Block One has taken that has led to the multiple class action lawsuits that are have started uh, against Block One. So. <laughs> Wanted to share that article with you. Perhaps you know some friends of yours that incurred some damages due to failed Block 1 promises, and you want them to join the class action lawsuit. I know I've been messaging some of my friends that I, I know held EOS at one point. Uh, I, I emailed uh, myself as well to sign up for the cl- class action lawsuit. And so, this article is a nice piece of information that you can share uh, to some people that want to know more or are curious about why you're bugging them to join a class action lawsuit against Block One. So, just wanted to point that out. See some ones in the chat, maybe, for people that have signed up. Uh, for the current class action lawsuit against block one. Here we go. Eve getting in there with the snap number one. Dave Rex, another number one, zero Nova crypto passing on this one. Moro's trying to multi-account the the, the class action, getting in there three times. Um, all right. I know very controversial topic. Uh, but I uh, just wanted to point out this article and remind people there's still some time left if you want to show your interest. I think the email is legal at eosnetwork.com and you just basically mention that you want to join the class action lawsuit against Block 1 and, and that's all you need to do for now and just show the support in terms of how many people feel this way. Not everyone feels this way, I understand. A lot of zeros in the chat too, a lot of ones with a lot of zeros. There's even a double seven. Um. but uh, yeah just wanted to bring that up I don't know if anyone else has uh, any comments on the topic feel free to feel free to share them
1: Anyone else has uh, any comments on the topic? All right, I'll bite. We'll I'll we'll, bite. Uh, we'll the mic on. Yeah, yep. Um, I I liked the article, obviously. Um, um, the one tweet that it highlighted in a screenshot was the one marketing spent in the next 24 months in April. Wh- whatever. I don't have it in front of me. When it was said marketing spent in the next 24 months will like blow away the previous 24 months or whatever it said in A- April in 2020. Yeah. So if we just want to talk about timelines, that was April 2020. The very last code release of EOS IO as we knew it then was June, 2020, So literally 13 months later was the last code commits. And then also within those 24 months was December 2021 was the very last tweet that the EOS IO account had made. It retweeted a Palmelo tweet. The very last tweet that that account made, which is EOS IO marketing, was made in December 2021. and then that account went dark up until what like two or three weeks ago whenever the the code from 2021 was released uh, almost two years after the fact. So I just wanted to point out timelines there just in case anyone's interested in keeping track.
0: There you go. Thank you, Zach, for that timeline context.
2: I read uh, a week ago, maybe, through Telegram, someone was asking about the other class action that, I think it's like Crypto Opportunity Fund. Um, brought but i found it interesting um anyone can join that class the settlement seems a lot smaller than what i believe the enf is going for but if you join that class then you waive all rights to join any future actions so i was wondering if anyone here actually thought through whether like any decision there, like, wait for the ENFs, that's kind of what I'm doing, or or is that, clapped? like, I guess I just don't know enough about what's going on. If that goes forward, will the ENF still have as much standing, or what? I guess I'm curious what other people think about it.
0: Does Eve want to answer this question? I can give it a shot from what I understand. No, may, maybe, maybe not. Um, from what I understand, the class actions are not about the same thing, actually. One is about the token sale and
3: the other is can about- you, uh, Can maybe you it? actually re-ask the question? For some reason, I wasn't hearing anything for a very long time, and not just because nobody was talking or if it would just wasn't coming in. Yeah, I and only I guess... got the, the end part of that, uh, Rubrico. You were talking about the two class actions, potentially, and kind of having to choose between one or the other but yeah, I don't know yeah. if you were talking for five minutes, or I only heard about 15 seconds.
2: That's generally it. I guess I would just, I haven't been following uh, the the first class action that closely, but I just noticed, you know, they had a, a webpage, anyone could join that class action, but it seemed in the fine print, if you did, you were waiving all rights to any future um, so you can't,
3: you can't be part of two classes, and so uh, I can't advise you as to what I believe would be in your best interests, uh, but it is accurate that you cannot be part of two. And so that decision uh, lies with uh, yourself. Um, all I, I guess I, all I can comment on that is uh, I would advise people to try and uh, get block one to be held to account whether it's in one class or the other um, i think there is value in in, um, in in either but that ultimate decision really falls on you as to what you believe um is is best suited for your you know, particular needs uh they are completely different as, as steph was saying so one of them is much closer regarded to the ICO and to your personal holdings, essentially. So if I'm not mistaken, um, if there were to be a payout, it'll be proportional to what you necessarily suffered as a user. Uh, whereas the class action that is now uh, being being drafted, um, uh, let's say on this side of things, is it, your holdings are somewhat irrelevant in, in the actual um, statement of claim. Uh, so whether you had one EOS or you have a thousand EOS, for example, it's less so relevant because it's to make up the short fall in the gap between what was uh, promised and committed to in terms of deployment of resources in the ecosystem and, and ultimately what they did Deploy and so the sum is obviously much larger, and it's not necessarily directed to you as an individual in terms of how much you personally suffered uh, based on how much EOS was valued at when you bought it or whatever it is. Which is the first one is closely um, tied to that, particularly. Particularly, so it's it's very different, very very different. One of them, the timeline is also very different. One of them is very um closed uh it's i don't recall the exact end date you can go look at the the website but the you know it really is more related to that purchase of the token within the ico and the other one is uh up until uh uh, what we what we mentioned earlier uh september uh 2021 so that the time frame is much longer as well and it encompasses damages that you would have um sustained because of the promises that they made of non-deployment in the ecosystem and so the the value of your token the utility or had or the token had less utility because they didn't do what they said they were going to do so again it's not necessarily the value of your token it's you could do less with your token because they didn't do xyz so it's a very very different approach but ultimately you can't be part of two so it's up to you to determine what you believe is best for yourself.
2: Yeah. Excellent. Um, Thank you.
1: The the one thing that changed with those emails that were kind of forwarded in some of the public chats was um, with the existing class action, the, the one that's been ongoing for several years now, um, with that recent update, they did open it up to new people to join it. So that was closed previously. Um, since whatever the cutoff date was, like November 2020, they cut it off. That was the big update, is that it was opened up for new class participants. So if you did not sign up in 2020, you'd have the choice to do so now. Um, But as Eve has mentioned, like, there's no advice either direction. It's very personal to to you as an individual. Um, But the main priority here is holding um, Block 1 to account. Um, and both of them uh, fulfill that role. The, the difference is um, the ongoing one is um, a settlement, of twenty-four million dollars, spread pro rata by by token weighted distribution, most likely by how much you owned. Um, and then the other one is, as Eve explained it. So either either way, it's kind of um, working towards the same goal of holding back bad actors to account. Um, but which way you decide to go is 100% a personal decision.
2: Got it. Thank you. Yeah, that sum in the first class action, it felt reminiscent of when they paid the SEC fine. Like, sure, it's recovering some damages for folks, but it just seemed like, in from my perspective, to be uh so small compared to how much block one benefited from running away with the bag so to speak so I think well, if you want to get I, I the background with.
3: if you go to the website that they that they just updated uh it gives you um uh, I, I believe it's in the faq there's the really good i think it's the first question in faq it gives you a rundown on how that class came about and really, the original idea wasn't a class action. So the idea wasn't that this was a class. It was, um, I believe, two groups of investors, and and I don't know how many investors they comprise, but very small, um, two separate lawsuits, merged into a class, but effectively, we're talking about maybe dozens of people, probably less than that, actually. And so it's, it's positioned as a class action, but really, it's... N- it's not really a massive class. It, it really is a few individuals that have the majority of the weight. Um, and they were looking for uh, compensation for themselves and it turned into a class action, uh, whereas the, the current, uh, file that is moving forward. Really, it is about the class. It really has to weigh more people. Um, and the idea is uh, obviously the bigger, the class, the better it is because it, it, the idea is the representation of the ecosystem not individual investors so it's a very very different uh, approach as well got it got uh, it and the feedback that was given when the settlement was rejected for the the current ongoing class action was that it actually did not represent really a class and it did not encompass um what would be considered a class of enough people that got damages. So let's say it was you and three friends, well, just because you're four people does not mean that you represent a class, unfortunately. Just not enough people.
2: Got it. Um, Okay, that's really helpful. Uh, And the
3: idea behind the class actions is is power in numbers. So as Steph mentioned, uh, the more people that show interest, the larger the class, the more weight it has. And so it's really not necessarily about how many tokens you you have. Actually, in, in your case, uh, for example, Rob, a lot of the damages that you may have incurred might not actually have to do with anything really with the EOS token. It might be with business decisions that you made in deploying capital and creating businesses on EOS because of the commitments that Block One made. You thought you're investing in an ecosystem that would be supported. And so it's not even the token itself. It's, the business decisions that you made, which end up being I don't know payroll, development costs, etc. So it's not even the token itself. It's a very, very different approach.
2: I see. I see. Um, uh, another question following up to that: um, Is there a deadline that set already for people to join the class action that ENF is bringing forward, or can we expect as this develops there will be you know a similar sort of Class action sign up info page. Um, there I guess- will
3: be correct.
2: Yes.
3: Okay. Uh, cool. So I, I'll, I'll we'll release more information when it when it comes. Uh, but yes, the as I mentioned, I think it was a month or so ago when I gave an update on this. Uh, these things take a lot of time, right? So the current class action I think is in its fifth year or fourth year. So that's the kind of timeline that you can expect. These things are very very slow and very long. Um, mm-hmm as more information comes available you'll get it officially and yes at some point there would be a an official website like this one although this one if you look at it um the website is is fresh the website they had for years uh was was really dinky and actually that was part of the issue uh is that it was difficult to ascertain whether or not it, it was even a real thing or not and so if you recall when it first came out three years ago four years ago One of the big debates in the community was whether or not that was a scam or was it an actual thing, Uh, and so now with this new website, it does look more professional. Plus, it's it's um, the the information that they point to is obviously more legitimate and such. But that was one of the issues.
2: And as to why we for all the info, Mm. I have family members that and friends that want to join it, but I I think I'm going to wait for that info page. Then I'll I'll share it around.
3: Uh, right now, like Steph mentioned, the best thing people can do is just show your interest. Uh, we already have hundreds of people that have uh, signed in, and there are some updates coming. I, I did share some vague tweets uh, in the last week about that, but there are some updates coming that, are, that should give a little bit more information on your end um, as to whether or not this is for you. Awesome. Thank you, Eve. Yeah, Zach just shared, I guess, one of these tweets
0: talking about how multiple financing litigators, firms are interested in picking up the case. Anything else you can share about that or is that pretty much
3: uh, what you can share? Uh, That's pretty much what I can share um, right now. Uh, I guess what I can share is kind of what what this means uh, because some people still don't really understand kind of what the concept of a class action is. Um, and so, uh, and I and I saw that I, I guess in in the main channel last week, some people are still uncertain about that. So, in in a class action like this, usually what you'll have is you'll have a a law firm or multiple law firms. Um, their specialty is to form classes and to coordinate classes. Uh, as you can imagine, when you've got thousands of people in a class and you've got a big um, a big case, uh, there there's a lot of coordination. that that happens. And so there are law firms that specialize in this. This is what they do, this is all they do. They find interesting um, class actions and they fund those class actions. And so that removes the burden of the costs on the class participants. What they get in return is they get a percentage of the ultimate winnings. If there are winnings, if there are no winnings, they basically run at a loss. They cut their losses short. If there are winnings, you get a percentage of it. And so to have class, uh, to have uh, financial litigators that are interesting, uh, what that signals really is that there's something there. There's something to explore. They see a potential um, uh, chance (laughs) To, to or they see a potential case and they see a potential enough for them to be worthwhile taking the risk of funding this. And so we're currently in the process of uh, vetting some of these um, uh, firms, uh, essentially looking at uh, whether or not there's one of them that's a right fit that we'd want to appoint. Uh, once you have that, then that firm essentially coordinates the class, uh, and so it, others don't understand as well. When you're in a class, just like you said earlier, you 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 essentially give your rights to the class. So that's why you can't be part of, of two class classes. Uh, essentially what happens is the, in this case, for example, the ENF, or in this case, the law firm, they don't have any legal rights. And so you assign them your legal rights to speak on your behalf. It's kind of like if you're proxying to them, the more people do that, obviously, then they own more rights or they, they have the rights to more rights. It gives more weight so they can represent a full class. What the class decides to do, what the class decides to do with the potential winnings, how they decide to ultimately redistribute that, whatever that may be, that's for the class to decide. Uh, but the class moves as one. Somebody needs to coordinate that. There's a lot of logistics involved. The majority of the costs anyways, in this is typically in court costs. Um, and so there are certain things like drafting statement of claims. Those can all be done beforehand. Those costs are, in the large, you know, grand scheme of things, incredibly small. The large costs are, costs are time spent in courtroom, the back and forth over the years. That is what is offset completely by the financial litigators that are essentially taking this risk.
4: Got
2: it. Thanks for all of the context.
0: All right, Perry. You getting in here, or are we moving on to the next topic? I see some Perry is well, typing text. I, I was,
4: was going to type something up, uh, but basically, I, yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not on board with it. For me, it's a huge drain of resources. I could just think of so many places it could go. I'm but what about
0: what about his, this this financing litigator firm that may want to bankroll this because they think it's plus EV? I'd be fine with giving such a firm a percentage of the winnings in exchange for them, like, like you say, removing that cost and resources up front that the community may have to, to pay to get this going.
4: Well, um, having been raised by an attorney and my uncle was also an attorney and my sister worked in that business, I hear a lot of stories through my life, and uh, the, tur- the attorneys are the winners in these kind of things. They're really the winners. And it doesn't surprise me that many want to jump in. Uh, I just feel like the entire crypto community was born from something different, and uh, I feel like this is a waste of energy of some of the, you know a, a lot of very talented people. Who are focused on on making uh, a difference? I hope in our society in a positive way, and uh, this doesn't seem to be the way. One question. One question. I uh, I didn't I didn't quite get the uh, the claim uh, amount that you're seeking. I know it isn't. You haven't published it yet. I heard a number twenty four million, but I don't know if that was from an, another lawsuit. But it, whatever that number is. Uh, if we could ask the attorneys to m- multiply that number times the probability of success, and then we can get that number, and then present that to the community in the fireside, I think that would be valuable information. You know, get the attorneys on here, have them I, talk to I, us I, directly.
5: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I doubt that they would commit to a percentage, but I think it would be interesting to do that uh, to do that calculation. All right, I'm going to mute you, uh, Perry, while you answer your phone. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks for jumping in here, sharing your thoughts. Um, I think there's, yeah, anyways, we'll just leave it there. We'll just leave it there. I'm going to leave it there anyways. Um, if anyone else has some, some thoughts and want to share or some questions on the topic, now sounds like a good time to jump in. Aaron Cox here, jumping in the chat, saying that you know the talent expertise in the ecosystem isn't focused on this. It's not a distraction. I would I would agree with that. You know, I copied um, I pasted my te- the template email that was shared on social media that I used to just single my interest for this class action. And you know, how long is it going to take you to copy the address, copy the email, add your edit your name in, and press send? a whole, a whole minute of your time really to just show interest at, at this point. So I think the cost at this point is fairly low and uh, yeah, I encourage you guys to do it. if If you feel like that's yeah, a personal decision you want to take. All right. Let's move on to our next topic. Speaking of Aaron, actually, that's who I want to talk to next. I'd love to uh, get Aaron on stage here and learn about what's going on with Warfkit. It's been a while since we've heard from Aaron and since we've heard of uh, Warfkit. I'm sure tons is going on, um, as is published every week on warfkit.com. Uh, but I don't necessarily watch those meetings every week, so I'd love to, uh, yeah, to. Uh, hear from Aaron and to learn what's going on lately with Warf Kick.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can focus in on the stuff that is getting done despite all three things happening in parallel, like this class action. Um, there you go. It's it's been going good. Um, it just. put like a qualifier on it from my opinion um we've been having these weekly meetings we've been getting engagement from developers from like all the major chains in the coalition uh as well as some other chains that are expressing interest in integrations and um helping build out different parts of the platform um this project started what like Earlier this year, or maybe technically late last year, uh, I think maybe the first milestone was even in like October or November or something. It was designed to be a long project, but we we kind of see the uh, the end goal coming into sight. Uh, the original roadmap put us finishing in September, I believe, and now that we just entered July, we're getting you know real close to the end of this. Um, just today we showed off in the call a uh, preview of kind of the new website that's coming, uh, the documentation that's coming along with it that'll welcome new developers to build on native. I guess maybe that's an important distinction for those of you who don't actually know what this project is. Um, this is like the uh, the the big development project that we're undertaking for the native side of things. Um, It's been kind of going in the background. It's a big project. Um, And we've just been kind of letting EVM kind of have the spotlight for a while uh, because that's like, everybody can jump in and people know how to work in this ecosystem while we on the back end from the client side are kind of reinventing how apps for EOS and other analog chains can be built. Um, This is, if you know the technical names of the stuff that we're using today, Um, This is a replacement for EOSJS, it's a replacement for UAL or Transit, if you remember Transit. Um, It's what does the wallet communication, it's what lets your dApps communicate with the blockchain, whether it's reading or writing data, Um, and it really encompasses kind of the whole user experience when you are using an application. So uh, there's a few apps out there in the wild that are already using it. Uh, you may have bumped into it if you've played with uh, the bridge that the UX team put together. I think it's on Utility X. Um, there's a couple other projects I know that have done it, and I forget the names of them right now. I should probably have a list of them. Um, but I think we are now slowly hitting the point where. Like the major, some of the major components are done, and you're going to slowly start seeing some early adopters pick it up. And in your day to day EOS journey, you might start using Worf, whether you know it or not. Um, So far, the developer feedback of everybody that's adopting this has been really positive, uh, which (laughs) arguably was kind of a low bar, and we could easily meander back into the topics of the promises of Block One in this regard um, just because they are we're replacing the technology that they built and then abandoned, basically. Um, In the end, we're going to have this really robust system. It'll support multiple languages, all the wallets, uh, and we're just taking all of that knowledge, wrapping it up into this new framework, documenting it really well so that developers are going to be able to come into the native side and build apps that like we've never seen before. Um, We on our uh, wharf call, the wharf call happens about two hours before this call does every Wednesday. And at the end of our wharf call today, we wandered off into what a lot of people call transaction uh, whitelisting, you know, where you can use a dApp and not have to use your wallet all the time. It's just like the dApp will do the transaction for you. Um, And while that is not, it's not a part of the roadmap right now, it's something that our team and a lot of other people are really passionate about um, that has been really hard to do previously, but now with Worf as the platform that, like, the kit that we're going to be using to build this, um, something like that's going to be much more possible. And I wouldn't be... I said it on the call earlier today when we were talking about this, like we may have prototypes out by end of year for that uh, once Worf is in a more stable position and we can start focusing on building on top of it. So there's a decent amount of excitement going on. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge project. Our team's been, I mean, if you've noticed a lack of anchor updates lately, it's because I would say 90% of our effort goes into Wharf right now and has since the beginning of the year. So this is where our team's at. Uh, it's why we've been a little quieter than normal. Why Anchor's been quieter. Why Unicove has been a little boring. Uh, why Robo's not open source. Like all of our other stuff, kind of took a backseat to this because this is something that benefits everybody outside of our projects. And uh, and the coalition hired us to do the job. So yeah, that's that's where it's at. i I could keep rambling, but I'm going to stop for a minute.
0: That was a nice initial ramble, for sure. Thanks for thanks for the update. Um, good to hear about exciting things going on on EOS native side as well. Even though, uh, appreciate you letting uh, the EOS EVM there take the spot, spotlight for a little bit before uh, before EOS EVM comes back with an upgrade with even better user experience. Very cool. Anyone uh, from the crowd have any questions for Aaron while we have him on stage here?
7: One thing I wanted to add, uh, I think you were mentioning that uh, you, know, you want to put EOS EVM sort of like in the spotlight and sort of not put attention to WorfKit. But actually, the, the new EOS EVM miner, essentially because to push transactions with um, EOS EVM, you need to push into native. And right now, the EOS EVM miner is actually using WorfKit. So anytime you're pushing a transaction on EOS EVM, you're actually technically behind the scenes using WorfKit to push that transaction, or at least the code that we're running is using WorfKit. So it's a really good piece of tool for server-side application and not, not only like client, uh, like web wallet application, you can still build server-side application like Node.js or, or whatever. So uh, really good job there, Aaron. And uh, I'm sure we'll see WorfKit. And all sorts of little spots, server and front-end clients.
6: Yeah, I was. I when you shared that with me, it was exciting to see that sort of application. And I never thought about the implications, like you just described it. Like people under the hood using the EVM might actually be using Worf, like, and they're not going to realize that. But it is. That's just how kind of a fundamental piece it is of native or it could be of native based on the developer's choice who are building those applications and so far uh, it's just like it's been positive like the positive words you just shared as well actually
7: everybody who just joined this chat that used the pop bot you know the nft pop bot has now used worfkit because that uses worfkit <laughs> <laughs> behind the scenes That's so awesome even the discord bots are using worfkit to push transactions yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's really easy to use, so good job.
6: Thanks. It's, it's going to be invisible in a lot of ways like it's, that, and that's super cool. For sure. All right, I guess,
0: nice little transition to the PopBot chat. I don't think I mentioned it earlier in the show. I think it was, uh, it was in the pre-show where I mentioned it. But like Didi just mentioned, we got some new features here on the PopBot chat. Uh, For the end user, should not change anything, you just go to the pop bot channel, slash register, write your EOS account name, you get signed up to receive your pop tokens every week. Now the bot's going to be able to distribute these uh, for me uh, fairly automatically at the end of the show, so that's awesome. Uh, And we're also going to be able to whitelist other EOS community members that host EOS events and not want to distribute pop tokens to the attendees of those events. So that should streamline the process there as well. Um, good news in terms of our blend page. Now, the, these topics went a bit longer than uh, I thought. And the raffle ticket minting is now closed for the month of June. And But the blend page, in order to do those blends, is back up and running. I think I may have mentioned it last week. Um, but if you want to get into the July monthly raffle, You can do that on our Blend page. I'm going to share the link here. And a shout-out to EOS Detroit with the Detroit Ledger Technologies letting us use their Atomic Assets API to get our Blend page back up and running. Looks like you may still be able to blend the Jude raffle ticket, which has me a bit worried because it should have been off a few minutes ago. We'll see. Maybe if you want to blend more June raffle tickets, you can do so until the end of the show, actually. Um, We're not going to be distributing the prizes today. We're still kind of getting uh, our feet back under us with these NFT uh, disruptions that have happened on EOS Native over the last couple of weeks. Almost all of the tools I need are back online. We've got Denis helping out. We've got Rob from EOS Detroit as well. Um, So, and then, yeah. Anyways. We're we're getting back ready. We're gonna change the distribution method a tiny bit for these pop raffle tickets. So we're gonna be creating these mystery boxes every month. We're gonna be sending those mystery boxes to everyone who holds a raffle ticket, and then you can choose whether you wanna open your box. In there will contain at least one prize of 50 EOS, 20 prizes of 10 EOS, some EOS Moments crates, some EOS Moments capsules, and some party crackers as well. So that's uh, what we're going to be doing going forward. I think it's going to be a bit more fun, more exciting way to distribute these prizes. And we're just putting the finishes, finishing touches on the system, so you can expect your June raffle ticket prize to be in your account sometime over the next week. Definitely before the next fireside. So there you go. Go to PopBot chat, register for your Pop token uh, today, and then uh, earn some fun prizes for showing up to these EOS community events. All right, moving on to our next topic. Got a couple quick hitters for you guys before we get to our final topic of the day, which is going to be the Eden, upcoming Eden election and the Eden on EOS bylaw proposal. But before we get there, we got two more topics uh, to discuss, three more actually. Uh, first up, Zach Gall was on the Wave Act podcast earlier this week or last week, I believe. Um, always good to uh, see... Our top community representatives uh, like Zach getting out there and spreading the word about the EYAH story to other communities. I know that's something that they've mentioned in the recent firesides that they're going to be doing more of. Um, I don't know, Zach, did you have anything to add about this particular podcast that you did?
1: too much. So we got in touch with them because um, our, one of our PR teams uh, happens to work with another client that works with them. Um, the Way- WayVec themselves, they are um, an Ethereum-based uh, developer studio, so they work under a white label typically for a lot of other EVM projects, even if their name's not necessarily on the project. So that's how we got in touch with them, and they, um, they kind of came across the EOC VM and were interested, uh, wanted to talk about it. We learned that they happen to have a podcast. And then it turned into, well, if I'm going to tell you about the EOS EVM, like, why don't we do it, do it over recording? Uh, so that's what we did. Um, so they do have a YouTube channel if you want to watch the video version. But their main place where they get uh, a lot more downloads is on uh, Spotify and iTunes. But you could find it, it's available everywhere. Um, interesting conversation, though. The, the host really didn't have a whole lot of insight into EOS or the EVM or anything going on behind the scenes. And we had only planned to go, I believe, 30 minutes was the goal for the interview, and it went close to an hour. And then even after the call, we we stuck around and chatted for another 10 or 15 minutes. So they might, um, as a developer studio, might be coming through uh, the ecosystem in a a number of uh, different ways that they could take. Um, Yeah, just a fun little conversation. Um, Most people within on this call, they're not going to hear anything new that they haven't heard before. But uh, as we've said before, like, you're not necessarily the target audience. You're on this call, you know.
3: You...
1: <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what that was. Um, if you're on this call, you pretty much get the scoop as it's happening. Whereas with a lot of these external facing uh, media opportunities, whether it's AMAs or podcasts, like the the audience is not EOS token holders or people. Uh, paying attention to the EOS ecosystem it's, it's people who aren't and that that's kind of the goal behind these opportunities and um, there's more to come so uh, even I have a call this evening for example with um, Invest Hong Kong uh, they'll be hosting an AMA at some point uh, this month uh, to discuss uh, some of the things going on with ENF and with, with Invest Hong Kong so that'll be exciting um, there's a few others uh, it's just a matter of scheduling them and assessing their audience sizes and things like that. And um, yeah, hopefully more of this to come. Hopefully every week we'll be able to talk about some other interview or AMA, but most likely um, it won't be anything new necessarily for, for you all on the call, but it's still exciting to see that um, we're, we're getting out there and reaching audiences outside of our own echo chamber. And that's really the goal with these.
0: And what I find personally interesting is these little stories of how the interview happened or how it went or was not was there a, a particular topic that really surprised them and resonated with them you know uh the fact that like the way you describe it you know seems like the interest just kept growing as he learned more about EOS so like oh my god okay i need to learn okay what about this and then next thing you know it's an hour and a half uh discussion with, with some potential future actions too so, I lo- yeah, I personally love hearing those, those stories, those backstories. Even though I never listen to those podcasts, sorry to say. But, like you say, the fireside is often... You of all
1: people would not learn anything new, so...
0: <laughs> no, no, but I am curious to see the reaction of these people as they hear about this stuff that, you know, I've been talking about every week. Um, so, I am a bit curious for that for for that reason. But, uh, all right, thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing, Zach. Fireside is first class for the big news. That's right, Patrick. Alpha drops in the Fireside every week. Alright, moving on to our next topic, Zysan holding another webinar, this time all about DAOs, partnering with, of course, HaifaDAO, should be another good educational piece of content from Zysan uh, on the antelope ecosystem, so wanted to throw that up uh, on the board for today. Maybe we'll get someone from Zysan on a future show to come talk to us uh, about this webinar a bit more. Uh, although it is scheduled for July 12th, So I think that's in exactly one week. So probably next, yeah, next Wednesday, before the fireside. So if you're interested in unleashing the power of a DAO, tune into that webinar for some information. On to our next topic. Um, we we stumbled across a new article from Boyd.com. Uh, John was on the far side a couple weeks back, explaining that they're they're interested in publishing some more general crypto articles. Uh, so nothing new in here. Uh, not even about EOS. Really, it's more a general crypto article. But the reason why I wanted to bring it up actually, um, is because it kind of got me thinking, and it kind appre- it made me appreciate kind of taking a step back, going back to the basics, going back to like five years ago when I first joined this industry, and why I got into it. So the article talks a bit about you know, what is distributed computing, where there's you know, a network of interconnected devices or nodes. That work together to perform data processing and storage tasks standard stuff for all of us um, it goes on to say a bit about how distributed computing and blockchain can improve security and privacy and then it lists four aspects here and i was curious to see how um how i thought you know eos fared in these four aspects i'm going to just share this little section here as a screenshot in the chat but Real quickly here, Um, you know, resistance to cyber attacks made me think about the fact that EOS as a distributed network has been running for over five years now, I think it is without any downtime, which makes which seems like it definitely, you know, checks the box for uh, resistance to cyber attacks or, you know, just being able to be on all the time. Enhanced privacy. This is more talking about how Private-public keys work, of course. Uh, maybe think about the account system on EOS and how that is very powerful and allows you to maintain your uh, pseudo-anonymity in easier ways through all the robust account permission systems that you can implement. Um, this next one here, C, verification and transparency. What this got me thinking of was, of course, everything is transparent on the EOS blockchain, like all the other blockchains, uh, but the verification aspect for that data on the EOS blockchain has actually been a bit of a challenge sometimes because there's so much of it. Because the network's so highly performant, there can be so many transactions, makes it for some very bulky data storage. And as a developer on EOS, most are familiar with the struggles of data history. Regardless of the solution, the current solution that's offered right now, um, you know, these are big, bulky data history solutions that are kind of hard to run. And then it made me think of the upcoming firehose and substreams technology that uh, the Pinax team is working on bringing to EOS Network and to the Antelope ecosystem and how that will enable easier verification of all of this data that we've accumulated over the last five years and make it easier for DApp developers to uh, yeah, go, go back in the blockchain history and find the data they need. And then the last one, the elimination of intermediaries, kind um, of just general blockchain stuff. So it was a light article, not necessarily directly related to the EOS, but uh, it was kind of a light show today. Not that many big topics on the agenda. So I figured why not uh, add this? and uh, yeah, share kind of my perspective as I read this article. Brings us to our final topic of the day Eden elections coming up, new Eden on EOS bylaws. What does this all mean? Who's going to show up this Saturday? Let's talk about it. Um, So let's see here. Is Mo available to join me on stage as one of the chief delegates for the current Eden season? Um, I've got, I uh, actually went over the proposed bylaws and had a couple of questions uh, for Mo. So love to uh, love to get him on stage here, hear what he has to say, and then, uh, yeah, hear from everyone else as well. I'm sure many of you will have comments and questions about all of these proposals that the chief delegates are bringing. All right. Uh, Welcome to the fireside, Mo. How are you doing today?
8: Hi, hey, Stefan. How are you, everyone? Um, I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? How
0: are you doing? We're good, we're good. An hour and twenty minutes on to our last topic, right around the time that you said would work best for you. So uh, let's it. see let's see how long let's see how long we go. Let's see if we make it four, 40 minutes to the two hour mark or maybe we blow past that. Who knows? Grab your popcorn, let's get into it.
8: Yeah, well, feel free. Um, did you want to ask some questions or read out the uh, the mission statement? I believe you you had.
0: Yeah, that's a good uh, good idea. Actually, um, let me read out the mission statement here. So first of all, let me share the link to the bylaws in case. Although Patrick may have done that already, maybe not. Here to share it as well. And then you can kind of easily see what's changed from last season through the highlights, which is well appreciated. And then um, it's a fairly lengthy document, 32 pages. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm going to try to read the intro here that kind of recaps the mission statement and then we'll go from there. Here, I just posted it in the chat as well. So Eden Dow, DAO, The Purpose Paper. First section mission statement. So, the Eden on EOS DAO is dedicated to increasing the value of the EOS community by directing its human and financial capital, seeking out and incubating potential value generators, and leveraging its assets to support this endeavor. A Eden on EOS DAO as a risk on sandbox fund dedicated to investing in risk on projects that will bring value to the EOS ecosystem as per specified objective metrics. B, investing in slash seeding the growth of DAOs. C, incubating slash accelerating projects and DAOs. D, focus on accomplishing the above for the objectively verifiable and measurable benefit of the EOS ecosystem, while whenever possible proposing and looking to fit the Eden Upvote model as a solution. So... For those of you who may not be as familiar with EDEN as others, this is a fairly big change from how um, the EDEN on EOS community or system kind of operates or is aligned right now. Um, So maybe, Mo, if you want to talk a bit about kind of what this means, what the vision is for this proposal, and what you think the benefits would be. Thank you for
8: reading that out. And um, I know it's uh, a little bit dense in, in terms of uh, um, understanding all of the ideas that are being put forth. It's, um, well, if we look back, we can kind of see that the the EDEN model has done an excellent job at um, selecting the the members of our community that are um, reputable and that uh, we can trust, right? Right. Um, I think that has been proven out to be fairly accurate. Uh, In terms of allocating funding, it's also done an excellent job in distributing the funding over the last two years. Um, All of the members that have been voted for have uh, received their funding and gone about uh, utilizing them as uh, they were elected. Unfortunately, where we see that um, it hasn't been as impactful as it could have is in collaboration. So maybe it's part of the system where, uh, because of its decentralized nature, people just go out and do what they were what they promised to do, essentially, with the funding. But in in terms of having an organization that we would like to to see do, act cohesively, um, that hasn't so much played out as we would have uh, hoped. So um, there has also been different ideas about what this organization was meant to be. Throughout the last two years, different people have had different views as to how to leverage this system for, uh, for the, whatever purposes they they thought would be best. Um, that has also caused uh a bit of um of tires spinning in in place, you could say. Um, so over the last three months, what we did was um, kind of build on the shoulders of. Uh, of people like Nathan and Joshua, who the the three months prior to that were already uh, investigating into what the community thought the purpose of Eden was. Um, and Nathan James and Joshua Seymour, I'm sorry, uh, to be more specific. Um, so we went ahead this in, over the last three months and started strategy workshops where we were um, collecting uh, members uh, into workshops led by Gabriel Shaw, um, who's at Haifa now. Um, Also, and trying to figure out what our strengths were, what our weaknesses were, and how to leverage these strengths for the benefit of what we hope will be our continued um, funders, which is the EOS community, which is why we were brought together in the first place. Um, So we were seeing that, as I was saying before, as a worker proposal system, a a fund distribution uh, mechanism, uh, a form of selecting trustworthy individuals we've done a fairly good job of that um so how can we leverage that into a position where we can benefit the eos community and the uh, the the basic idea that uh, that kept coming forward was the wps was the sandbox idea so um basically we went to work into getting this this vision uh, formulated in a way where uh It could be proposed and carried out by the Eden community, um, integrating also some of um, the, I guess, Haifa structures such as circles and the fractally methods that um, that were also developed. The fractal process, where we are allocating funding to individuals based on work that's already been done. That we've also changed the fund distribution model in terms of. paying the delegates after their term instead of giving them up the money uh, beforehand. And aligning everyone, all of the delegates being elected, not so much for the projects that they they will be pitching, because at this point we're asking them not to pitch projects, but to pitch themselves as reputable members of the community that are willing to carry out the work needed to benefit the EOS community, which at this point, in the way that we're uh, envisioning the direction of Eden on EOS, it's to bring on projects, go out into the world, scout, and recruit projects, and bring them bring them onto the EOS uh, ecosystem, and through our incubator, which we hope uh, we can build in into Eden on EOS. Um, also helping the community out in that way. Are there any uh, questions? Uh, stop yeah, me if couple, I ramble a little bit. A right. couple <laughs> of
0: questions. Uh, no, feel free to pause uh, whenever you see fit. I'll jump in. Anyone else from the crowd wants to jump in? Feel very free. Share your questions in the chat as well if you want. Um, so you say that delegates are in this new proposed system. Delegates are not expected to pitch projects, but instead pitch themselves. So who's going to either decide or determine what kind of work the delegates are going to do in that scenario? Uh,
8: the delegates are expected to um, to do just that: recruit projects bring them on into the into the EOS ecosystem, bring them into the incubator um, and maintain the, the relationships with those projects and, uh, you know, some other... Um,
0: so everyone's uh, pitching the same project, basically recruiting new projects to the EOS, EOS, exactly. EOS ecosystem. That's basically the one project that everyone's pitching. The differentiator exactly. is like, hey, I've got a network, I'm well-known, you guys have seen me out there on social media for the last five years, et cetera, et cetera. In exactly. In are very sell yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool.
8: Projects. Yes.
0: Yeah. Very interesting concept. Obviously, very radically different than what we have right now. Um, I, I wouldn't ah. say it's so much. It's so radically different in terms of uh,
8: what we're what we're planning on doing is leveraging the governance nature of the the Eden process for the benefit of internal government the, govern, the internal governance structure of Eden on EOS. And firstly, um, executing that as well as centralizing the funding in terms of projecting it and focusing it on specific projects that are um, decided that they are for the benefit of um, the EOS ecosystem. With KPIs such as, for example, saying this project has the, pot- the potential of bringing on a million uh, Users. This project has the potential of maybe um, being a unicorn and being a billion-dollar company. So, depending on the KPIs that that are established, we can then go out and search for these projects, bring them on, invest in them, and uh, and decide the value that are that's being generated um, by by the independent projects versus having this um, this situation where different people are pitching different cases, uh, being selected for those. And it's not to say that value hasn't been created by Eden on EOS. It has. Uh, It's just been a diffused value that has um, not been as impactful as it could be if we were able to leverage uh, the wisdom of the crowds by having those delegates going out and searching for these projects and bringing them on, because that's also a decentralized way of deciding what projects get funding. But instead, uh, we've kind of gone every which way, scattered out, and not focused on any specific uh, project or value proposition, I guess.
0: All right. Awesome. Yeah. We've got some uh, some positive feedback in the chat so far. Let's see here. We've got uh, Lenny and Patrick sharing a bunch of educational links. Aaron Cox here saying it's electing for leadership of this worker proposal system, WPS, rather than electing for what project individuals want to build, yeah. So that's why I said it's a radical shift because from my perspective, as someone who's gonna join the election and hope to get elected um, for the first time, I need to change my pitch or maybe not this election cycle. So I guess this election cycle, really the main topic Will be: Are you going to ratify these these bylaws or not? Yes. Because then I feel like this is a pretty big, you know, big change, and so feels like this might be a, a dominating topic.
8: That's the first question. The second question is: Are you willing to commit to these, uh, to to this vision, to these bylaws, to the purpose paper? Because at this point, we don't have the um, we're not funding code, so we're not doing a code change. Everybody that gets elected is going to voluntarily give up the funding. For the circles and for the um the 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 fractal delegate uh, meetings and such um fund distribution in terms of investment uh for projects won't happen until uh the next season so not in this season but the next one where what's expected from these delegates is also to go out and recruit projects and bring them on and to show that commitment to this vision Um, at that point we can make the case that the the community is united behind the vision, we are acting on the um, on the process, and we can clearly state that um, that there is a case for it. Uh, until that's seen, there is no there's no point in uh, in building code or uh, unlocking funding that is not um, that shouldn't be unlocked at that time.
0: Right on, Mel from EOS London saying that he loves this idea. Uh, Aaron Cox bring up the point that if we want something like the Eden upvote election process, etc., to be able to run organizations like Eden on the House or even the ENF, this is a potential step forward in that it helps prove the system to elect leadership. I agree with that. I like um, I like that you're proposing a more concentrated focus for Eden. I agree that it's been kind of lacking focus, although I was very excited for having funding mechanisms available for people that wanted to build all sorts of stuff when Edith, when Eden started, that may not be actually what's most needed for the EOS community. And so I yeah. think that a small pivot like this, which from from a p- pitching perspective is a big pivot because now I've got three days to prepare kind of <laughs> my pitch with this new information. And I and, and so that actually leads me to another question is how long after the election? Are people expected to ratify or not the the, the proposal? Because I feel like a lot of people are going to show up to the election and may not be fully informed on this proposal and will maybe have to kind of well, learn on the fly in the room or perhaps do some research after being elected.
8: Yeah, first of all, I really appreciate you reaching out to me um, and asking me to join you tonight. Um, that This is really a, a great opportunity to reach out to the community and let them know that this is uh, this pivot is happening, and that this is what the proposal is going to be for the um, for the election. Uh, we're also going to take the time, or we plan to take the time before uh, electing, or before the election actually goes into process and to uh, the election, um, an hour before, to do a presentation where we um, present the bylaws, the purpose paper, and the dispute resolution, so that the community has an idea of what is being proposed and what it- they're expected to ratify and what they're expected to vote for. So, also, like you're saying, you're you already had an idea of what you were going to pitch. But if that's not what this election is going to be about, then everyone that shows up to the election and wants to be a delegate needs to understand what commitments and what responsibilities they're going to um, have to carry on if they get elected. So there may be people that might decide at the last minute, "Hey, if it's not about a project, then maybe I don't want to be a delegate," and and that's fine. Um, The the idea here is also. where the, the creation of these circles, right, these working groups that are going to be structural, structurally important to Eden on EOS. Um, and they're going to have funding. So we want people that, we want Eden members to not only show up once every three months, but but to stay engaged in the community throughout the three months and have means of um, of being productive and contributing to the, to the community through these circles uh, and receive funding for it, of course. So um, it's it's a, it's a bit of a pivot, but it's, um, I think, uh, a more comprehensive approach to creating an, a community organization, I think. We want to find a place for everyone, I guess.
0: All right. A couple more questions. So you're saying that delegates are expected to forego the funds that they're supposed to receive. So I imagine they're going to be Resending that EOS to another account, and then the the other question around there is, are delegates expected to earn income for being elected as a delegate and going out and trying to recruit projects? Is there a salary for this, or is it on a, like if you successfully recruit projects, you get a you know a, a commission cool. or something?
8: Right. So um, delegates are going to be uh, they're going to earn uh, they're going to get to keep. Twenty-five percent of uh, of their funding um, of what the current funding distribution is. the The rest of it they're going to send to the working groups and to the uh, delegate uh, fractal process uh, meetings. Once a week, they're expected to sh- uh, show up at the at these meetings and present the the work that they've done and justify why they believe that they should receive um, the highest score or um, what pro- what how productive they've been they've been over the past week. Um, and in that way, you'll have meetings where um, the fund allocation will allow delegates to be able to earn uh, funding on a scale per week. Um,
0: Aha. So so the, so the funding that delegates give, that, that 70%, that 75% they're expected to give to the pool, they have a yeah. chance to earn it back, basically, Correct. during these fractal meetings. Correct. And, and so and, it's going to allow the system to... Allocate more resources to the really highly performing delegates.
8: Exactly. So from one end, we're also incentivizing people to work harder and um, and stay engaged in the community. And at the same time, what we're also um, proposing is that if you bring on a project that goes through the incubator, uh, does uh, is performant and a viable project that ends up getting funding you'll also receive a share of uh, equity in that project once that project issues tokens. Oh, somebody's typing. Yeah, sorry, loud. I for-
0: forgot to yeah. mute myself. There I was taking notes, actually. Sorry about that. Yeah.
8: Not a problem. Uh, so, yeah, so um, basically the, the delegates are incentivized via um, that share of the tokens that the projects will be issuing if they get funded, if they are viable and um, keep receiving funding. So in that way, they're incentivized to go out and bring the best pro- possible projects on into the network, um, because otherwise, if they don't get funding, if they don't uh, graduate through the incubator, then there's no incentive for them to, to bring them on, well, other than the, the salary that they get from, the, from, from being an active delegate. And from that end, we can justify those funds, those funds um, being paid out to them because they're still bringing people on into, onto the network and introducing new people to, into the ecosystem. So that's it's really a positive any way you look at it.
0: I gotta say, Mo, I am impressed. I li- I like this a lot actually, and the more I learn about it, the the more I like it. for, for me personally, no, it checks a lot of the boxes that I wanted for Eden, right? So there's a lot of talk at one point is about, is Eden supposed to be a WPS or no? Is it supposed to just be a way to allocate funding, right? Or is it supposed to have other goals? Um, I feel like this is kind of cementing the fact that it is a way to allocate funding, but also focusing that funding to a singular purpose, onboarding new dApps on EOS, which checks and other boxes of mine for Eden on EOS is that this organization needs to be primarily focused on bringing value to EOS, right? If it's funded with EOS tokens. Um, yes. so, so I like that a lot. I like that there's a salary for delegates now. So I was always campaigning on paying myself a salary, but when others have the option of campaigning on receiving no salary it's very hard to get elected as someone that wants to take a salary when uh, when these people have options to take people that are willing to do to do it for no salary but then in my opinion the game theory leads that you basically have to do a proposal where you don't take a personal salary to have a shot at winning, which means that the people that are able to really win are people that are in a financial position where they can afford to volunteer five, 10, 20, 40 hours a week towards a, a particular project without per- taking personal salary. So having a, a minimum salary for delegates, even though it may not be very much, I don't know how the math works out, you know, uh, but just having that little base, I think is really nice. And I think may attract more people to want to do this role with, and then, and then so for this base salary, you've got some minimum KPIs that these delegates need to hit. Hey, you need to attend this many meetings per week, per month, based on the, these different levels, these different positions, as I read through the, the that paper. Uh, so I like that. And then I like that there's also incentives for high performers. So if you're super motivated, get out there every week report back to the crew and have your peers vote on your progress. And our superstars are going to be able to be rewarded and therefore incentivized to go out there and do uh, great work. So yeah,
8: yeah I like I it. it.
0: I like it. Um, I like I'll it. I'll
8: go one step further and say that it also uh, creates an incentive and a, and a reason for more people in the EOS community in general to join Eden on EOS and uh, have that outlet for um, contributing to the community. So if you know a, a project, if you're if you're out there, if you have uh, connections with with projects, um, now you have a reason you can join the Edenon on eos community and have a reason to uh, also get paid to bring them on to recruit them. If anyone is just sitting on their on, on their hands right now and wondering uh, or waiting for someone else to do all of the work, well, you know, I think it's a it, it's kind of a good moment for the entire EOS community to pitch in and do as much as they can for, for this uh, network.
0: Excellent. All right. I had a couple more questions. One, I didn't write down and now it slipped my mind. Um, the other one I had was regarding to circle leadership, how those workers are determined, what portion of the, fu- I guess, these circles is the mechanism to distribute the seventy five percent that is donated, right? Right. And the workers within these circles are, are can are only can, must be delegates in order to qualify to get paid to do work for these circles.
8: No, uh, if you're um, if you're a member of Eden, th- there's going to be different tiers. So we're also going to be. Um, Uh, incentivizing people to be active members of Eden and show up to elections. And um, one of those ways is by, uh, I guess, um, what would you call it? Um, That's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, We we want people that have been in the community long enough to understand how this works a bit so that they can – Basically, uh, do the jobs more with with, with easier um, fluency. I think the I guess.
0: The, the technical cool. term is uh, community ogs. I think is yeah. We <laughs>
8: there you go, community ogs. We want the community ogs. Um, so if you're if you've just gone into Eden, um, you can still be a member of a circle, uh, because what we value there is the work that you're putting forward, right? And that's what you're going to get paid for for that work. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have any sort of a civil um, process that you go through, because if you're someone and then you, and you're giving work and you're getting paid for that work, well, then everyone is, is aligned in, in those instances. Um, so from that end, we're not expecting anyone to, to do more than that, to just be a member, to get inducted. And that also incentivizes them to be part of the community and want to participate in the elections and get get their, their account upgraded, uh, per se. Um, so once you're someone that's been at an, an election, you're civil checked in those terms. And in that case, well, now you, you qualify to become a lead or a, uh, an organizer or um, a secretary um, because you also are more familiar with the process. You've been around long enough to be um, more familiar with how things work. Uh, so we have qualifying standards for those, and they allow you to also get uh, a greater share of the funding.
0: All right, so let me see if I understand this clearly. That 75% that is allocated to Circles can be earned by either EDEN members or EDEN delegates. Kinda everyone's on an equal footing in terms of showing up to that fractally meeting, sharing what they've done this week and getting rewarded by their peers. Is that right?
8: Uh, Yes. A delegate or any member can sh- can show up to a uh, to a circle meeting. Um, let's say, for example, it's a communications and media circle where there are content creators uh, for Eden on EOS, and um, they that's what the, that's what they're doing in that circle. So uh, you have your lead, your organizer, your secretary who are getting uh, a larger share of the allocation per per meeting, and you have your your normal people that are um, Eden members that ha- are also showing up, and Based on their work, they're getting uh, ranked uh, accordingly um, and getting a share of that uh, of their allocations. So you could show up to, the, to those meetings and actually um, have the the least amount of work uh, done and still get something. So it's really a question of just getting people engaged and um, and involved in those meetings and getting leads and organizers that are also aligned with the vision, holding people accountable.
1: I like so, it. Um, I like it. And
8: if, if you scale it one level up higher, we we still have a, a, a the the possibility for the chief delegates to allocate the funding per circle depending on what they're uh, valuing and what they feel is more important at that time. So uh, they might be giving the communications and media circle uh, a greater amount of funding if they feel that we need more content creation and the tech and dev circle less funding one season, while it might be the opposite in a different season to incentivize more participation in one circle or another.
0: Very cool, very cool. Loving the game theory and the incentive-based rules that you guys are proposing. Yeah, Yeah. very, very exciting. Um, Also, another thing I want to kind of clear up is you mentioned different... Uh, levels for Eden membership so in the paper you know it defines like hey are you a member of Eden or are you an active member of Eden right and to be an active member you need to hit these clear metrics such as showing up for three of the last four elections and other things like that so again there I like that uh, you guys are incentivizing specific behaviors that's going to be recognized that unlocks greater utility for those members in the uh, in the community
8: yeah, definitely. Uh, we need to incentivize people to 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 be active in the community, to stay engaged, and um, and to get to know each other as well to network because all of this uh, ends up uh, creating a, a stronger community.
0: Very cool, very cool. All right, anyone else want to jump in here, share your thoughts? I've been talking a lot uh, this show. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up the mic at this point let you guys uh, share your thoughts.
8: One thing I'd like to add real quick also is um, we're really appreciative of everything that ENF has done with Haifa in terms of funding them and, uh, and getting them to where they're at. And we're hoping to also leverage uh, Haifa and their technology and their tooling um, to also make all of this possible. Oh, and just to add a little bit more to that, um, let me also extend that my appreciation to the uh, to the Eden Fractal team and what they've been doing because we're also leveraging or planning to leverage and see how we can incorporate some of the tooling that um, that their devs have created. So it's a uh, it's really uh, interesting how all of the tools are on the table and it's just a question of putting them together.
4: I've got a, I've got a few questions, uh, Stevon.
0: Yes. What's up, Perry? Hello,
4: hello. hello well, hello. Uh, I, I've been, I've been uh, attending uh, a lot of these meetings, and so I'd like to add a little feedback. That uh, a few questions that I've got. Uh, w- one question would be the, the distribution of, of ICO tokens versus the regulatory risk that we might face with that. So my understanding is the delegates, uh, as a reward for bringing in new projects, they would be rewarded uh, ICO tokens. So even though I personally think ICOs are a great thing and I it's, and I don't like the fact that they've been stymied by regulators, uh, that's kind of a reality that we have to face, so that's one issue. And then another issue that I have uh, is the, the fund distribution I'd really like to see a spreadsheet that that manifests all of these all of these uh, all of these rules and shows us exactly where the money would be going in, a, in an example like for an example. Uh, what this diagram is not showing is that the, uh, the lead the circle lead secretary and organizers are going to get double dipped on uh, a fixed amount, a double dip fixed amount on the ranking. So they're although they're using the Fibonacci uh, ranking, they're not actually uh, they're not actually using it uh, in in that case. They're getting a, a they're, they have a set amount. They're being set the top rank for the lead, and the secretary and the organizer are getting the second Fibonacci ranking. Uh, so, w- without no matter what, and, and then and then as they are ranked within within the group, they get they get that ranking as well. Uh, you know, well, maybe Perry, I-
8: can I can I answer? I, I think I, I get the gist of the question. Um, the in terms of the ICO and and the regulatory aspect of this, uh, first and foremost, we've already mentioned in the purpose paper that it's a risk on sand, uh, sandbox. So we're prepared, the people that are going to move forward with this are already prepared and envisioning the idea that there's going to be risk on the table. Um, the the second part of this is that none of this works if the KPIs aren't met in this coming season. Uh, so if we have a community that's dedicated to this vision and committed and votes for delegates that are committed to this vision, one, uh, one of the points that, that is mentioned in the KPI is to get the the regulatory aspects of this clear for all of the members to be able to decide whether they want to continue with this after this this coming term so the sooner we have that the better Um, but it'll be uh, it's definitely something that has to be evaluated and decided and a question that needs to be answered um, which has been asked in terms of DAOs uh, since day one with Eden and Haifa has also um, had this question asked and many DAOs have had this question asked, um, as we've seen how regulators have come down on them. So, uh, being part of any DAO at any point in time is always going to come with regulatory uh, problems and questions. Um, that's one. Uh, the other part you were asking was the part, uh, the question regarding the um, the lead and the organizer and the uh, the secretary. I think we can all agree that if they're taking on these roles. These roles are not roles that are limited to the meeting itself, to one hour per week. These are roles that are ongoing throughout the week, added to that, the work that they're also doing as members of that circle. So there is a compensation that should be um, allocated to them for those roles. Uh, I think um, having the lead receive the, the highest score um, is, is fair. Because it's a, there's going to be a lot expected of them. There's a, they're almost going to be on the same level as a delegate, whereas someone else uh, that's executing a lot of uh, responsibilities in terms of keeping that circle um, uh, productive. And um, then the uh, secretary and the organizer having the second uh, most import, uh, highest score. Um, I think it's fair. Uh, if that needs to be discussed... Well, hey, there's a new set of chief delegates that'll come in after this season, and they're free to uh, to propose um, whatever they see fit for this. Uh, which brings me to a one to another point I wanted to bring up, which um, is fairly important. These bylaws they don't have to be approved the same day that the ch- the chief delegates get elected, or the day after. They can be approved uh, three weeks before the next election. What we want from the, from this from this election is for the Eden on EOS community to decide if they are committed to this vision. If they are, they will elect delegates that will also be committed to to this vision and that will ratify these bylaws and will act on these bylaws and will go forward with with a continued effort to maintain the circles that have already been created and uh, establish all of the infrastructure that this organization needs. If that's the case and we can do all of this on paper, then... Uh, by all means, we're ready to move forward. Um, but more than anything, what we need to see is the commitment of the people getting elected and of the community electing them.
9: Amo, hey just one question. Okay,
4: if, I could, if I could continue, um, the the point I'm I'm trying to make is that if we if we look at the amount of money that is being extracted from these circles by these three top positions in each circle, <clears throat> the double dipping of the Fibonacci. Top rankings, and you consider that in the Fibonacci, it's it's extreme. the the top very top gets a much larger than the second rank, and so on and so forth. If you if you do that across the board, and they do it twice, and then you look at what's left from the people that are actually supposed to be the primary hang on, one, hang on, one, hang on. One,
8: one correction, though. Um, you're you're saying Fibonacci. We're not using the Fibonacci sequence. We're using a, a scale of one to a, or however, however many um, members there are in the group. So, so it's not that, it's not that drastic.
4: Okay, so c- can you be more specific and tell us exactly how that it, the fund is distributed?
8: Perry, uh, we've had this conversation. You can you can find it in the in the purpose paper, but it's essentially. Um, let's say that there's five people for if you want an example uh if there's five people in the group the um the lead will get five points the then the the other five um what the the rest of the other numbers will be attributed to the different people within the group uh in scale in ranking and then proportionally uh, you will have the funds assigned to each number depending on the on the points i don't know if i ex- explained that well over the phone uh, verbally
0: but you can see it in writing
4: i was talking. let that... me
0: see if i understand it's like okay. five points for the top four points for the next and then you add up all those points at the end and you divide by how many points you have to determine the percentage of the pool basically
4: cool so five for the lead four for each each of the secretary and the organizer and then one point for each pr- other participant
8: no, and then after that, you would go and do the one to five uh, ranking again. So they would just get that extra, those extra five points and those extra four points added to their to whatever ranking they have.
4: It, it would be really helpful if you created a, a spreadsheet before the election, so people could actually see uh, how this is constructed. Sure. And, yeah, uh, I, I would love
0: part- to see your spreadsheet as well, for sure we'll that try to do be, that
8: that would be helpful the formula is in the, in the dispute resolution or not in the dispute resolution in the purpose paper though if you we'll go down a, to that side, you can find it there
9: i've got a slightly different question just back to one of the things you said earlier mo and you mentioned that this is a deliberately risk on approach and so um i'm just curious so you're deliberately adding risk to members. Um, and that's for me, when I see that the language of partner mentioned a couple of times in the bylaws where it's deliberately now, um, the term principal partner that members can become depending on the position, um, general partners, head general partners, I think is the term. And so that's, that does have a, it's kind of a loaded term, especially for those who live in the U S for example, where there's a lot more scrutiny. I'm just curious because members, Currently, Eed members are sort of there by de facto. So you have a lot of members who aren't active, most certainly, but they are still members. They paid their dues. They they agreed to the bylaws at the time. And I'm just wondering if this gets proposed, if this gets passed and put forward, are you? Is is the expectation, the assumption that all current members are now they like they they don't get a chance to opt in? Like they're just because they haven't been active. Too bad, sucks to be you, you're you're here and you're part of this now just because you are? Or is there a way that maybe there might be a purging of non-opting-in members? Because I just feel like to force that risk, that deliberately assumed risk onto other members who aren't paying as close attention is a bit of a, I don't know, I don't think I necessarily agree with that approach. I'm wondering it's if you have thoughts on that.
8: It's a fair question. I think essentially, by the way that we're establishing the, the requirements, um, it'll create a class of Uh, members active members and um, verified members where they're really what who the membership is what you can um, find and define as the membership and the people that that may be registered and then forgot about their accounts um, eventually they should be uh, they should be redefined their 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 membership should be redefined or purged um, depending on the requirements that we that we see fit as a community. I don't know. I mean, uh, as of right now, if you look onto the Eden on EOS website or on the Eden website, you can see that there's 500 active members. I think we all know that that's not an accurate number.
9: No, I'm just saying, but they are members. So, I mean, if... There's been lots of comments about the bylaws and code is law. And if the bylaws don't say something, then it's okay. Like I know Stefan, you've expressed that viewpoint in the past when you did your masterclass on how to attack Eden. And um, so it, there's nothing in the bylaws that says you don't become a member after X number of participation points you have to earn or whatever. There's nothing like that. It's like you're a member, you're a member, you're on the list, you're in the table. Uh, so I, I just don't think you can force risk onto people without, I don't know, removing them. I think you got you to gotta remove the people who aren't there and the, and do them the solid of being like, yeah, you're not here, but we don't want to expose you to this and make you liable because, you know, we're thoughtful. Sure. Um, that's a fair question,
8: a fair way to, to go about it. Um, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier about these bylaws not necessarily having to be ratified immediately uh, as soon as this next election is over and the chief delegates take control, but it can be ratified two and a half months down the line before the next election and basically ratify them three weeks before the next election, propose the next updated bylaws one week before the next election um, with all of the updates and changes that need to be made or additions that um, people see fit to make to these bylaws and we're good. So it's a a very valid uh, um, proposal.
9: And just a couple of the comments, uh, Aaron doesn't see any risk as an inactive member. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, you, you can, that's a risk you can decide to take, uh, I suppose, right? But there's some people who, I mean, I guess you could say, you know, this idea of ignorance is bliss and it's not so blissful if you look at the Dow as an example, and they did some different things that led to them to being um, basically sued. Uh, and they were treated as an unincorporated partnership. All members who participated in governance on that DAO have all become potentially liable. So there's just an associated risk there and there is precedent for it. And maybe, yeah, I mean, to each their own, maybe there is no risk. Uh, I just know personally, someone who is paying attention, I won't. I definitely won't want to be considered a partner with all of the other EDEN members and exposing what I think is risk. There are risks with VC activities. Um, there's a lot to that. that and I mean, I've done some work as a VC now. And I understand a lot more based on that. And uh, there is risk there. And so, but to each their own, if if it's not a risk, I just don't think it's fair to force others who aren't being privy to this conversation due to their own lack of paying attention. It's fine, but it's still, I think, uh, effort. effort. Are you
0: going to leave Eden if this proposal passes? And is that a promise?
9: Uh, For you, Stefan, of course, I'll make that promise. Yeah, I for sure will leave. Yeah. I don't want to be a partner with you. Not a chance.
0: All right. Are you running in the election, uh Chris?
9: I haven't decided yet. Are you? For sure. Oh I I'm still run.
0: haven't been elected. I definitely need to get elected at least once.
9: I gotta do whatever I can to stop you, so I guess I'll run then too. Thank I you for that. See you on the battlefield, sir. Well, this is all
8: meant to be a, a community. <laughs> I'd like to see people coming together here, not um not going to war. Uh so um to answer, Chris, a little bit, um, as I was saying earlier, I think it's important to have the regulatory concerns addressed so people can assess that risk uh, one way or the other uh, before the next uh, election. Not this coming one, but the next one. One
4: thing one thing I'll, I'll look forward to before the election, and hopefully uh, not just before the election is that those numbers, that spreadsheet, that shows who's getting paid what, and it kind of a big picture, how much money is going to people that weren't elected, right? Where, what, what percentage of the money is actually going to the leads, the secretaries, and the organizers that weren't elected? That's, I think, uh, uh, that, that is a, uh, a big change, I think. And I don't know those numbers, but I suspect it's uh, it's not insignificant. And I don't really understand why we're why we're uh, you know why we're diverging from that. It, it for me it just creates uh, moral hazard where you're starting to create these like uh, insulations between between the elected somebody who's elected and somebody who's actually Fulfilling the job itself, uh, I don't think that's positive. But uh, I'll, I'd like to see—I really would like to see those numbers to see what we're. Well, if you
8: if calling. you read if you if you read the purpose paper, you can see that um, leads are uh, appointed by the chief delegates for for newly created circles. But any circle that is not newly created, um, the first uh, order of business for the in the first meeting of that season circle, is that they elect a lead. So it's a it's an elected position for any ongoing circle.
4: The elected by who?
8: By the members of that circle, the people that show up on that first meeting.
4: Okay, but not by the by the members. That's what I'm referring to.
8: Well, the the members elected the delegates that. Um, establish the circles and they're free to join that circle uh, whenever they please. They're, those are open circles. Anyone can join them at any time.
4: Yeah, I okay, I understand what you're saying, uh, but that's not the same as the members directly electing the individuals.
8: No, it is. it is. The, the circles are open and anyone can join that circle if you're interested in being in the in the and media circle you join that circle and you have your voice heard electing the lead
4: but that's not the same as the members during the election day electing the people who are getting paid
8: did you elect every, are, are you electing uh, every single chief delegate
4: no but somebody did within the process
8: within the process this is part of the process
4: Within the the election process day that
8: yes. day, uh, we're proposing that this is part of the uh, of the process.
4: You're you're saying that the the leads get elected get uh, elected during the actual election process. Like for example,
8: no, um, the day after the first meeting of that of that circle, the lead gets gets elected. You hold elections, and the lead gets elected. If you want to participate, if you want to participate in every single circle and have and, and elect a lead in every single circle on that first day, you're free to do so. And I mean, if we, under, if we understand that there's a degree of rational ignorance that happens, as uh, we were just discussing with Chris about people not paying attention to what's going on in Eden, um, as of right now, there's a lot of people that haven't been paying attention to what's been going on in these circles. Uh, But here we are and we've we've come a long way. We've got um, uh, a fund distribution summary that's uh, being published tomorrow that will um, do a a summary of all of the distribution that happened from the first day of Eden so that we can look back and see where uh, the funding has gone. How much money uh, Eden has put into the EOS ecosystem and how how much value has created for the EOS ecosystem, which is quite a bit. Uh, So. You know, all of these things are worthwhile, and there's a lot of rational ignorance that's going on, and that's it's understandable. Um, You can't be in everything, but uh, you know, um, here we are. The bylaws, same thing. We've been uh, crafting these bylaws from the beginning, so at this point, and we've been holding the strategy groups. I mean, you've been part of a a lot of this, so you know uh, the work that's gone into this. Um,
4: I have, I have, and I, I have been there. Yes, I've been listening. and not and not necessarily agreeing and and directing uh, you guys in a different direction, but I still attended, even though the direction is not where uh, where and I was. Nice. I was hoping
8: and it's appreciated. we wanted we wanted to get all kinds of uh, members in these groups and voicing their opinions and taking it into account. And we've taken your opinions into account as well, Perry. We really appreciate them. And uh, hopefully, in the next season, in this coming season, we can have a lot more active members expressing their opinions and helping shape uh, the direction of uh, Eden on EOS.
4: Well, that's amazing that you say that because if people watch the videos, they will they will see me being censored by yourself and Lenny and Patrick. So I'm sorry you said that.
8: No, I, th- I think you did a great job uh, victimizing and censoring yourself.
4: So that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not accurate, Mo. I'm sorry, that's not accurate. Well, so for me, I think this is this is going to create a an obstacle for people to to uh, to comprehend the rules. It's a bit of a, a rat's nest, and it's going to create a need for a dispute resolution uh, that is untested. And it's going to, and it, which is going to throw people into this dispute resolution process, and we're going to be resolving disputes over uh, unclear bylaws, and it's just going to create a giant sucking sound in our in our ecosystem. I I I recommended that we go in an opposite direction, that we simplify uh, our our approach. We focus on the Eden fractal process itself, recognizing it as the thing that is unique to our community, unique to our process, and putting that in a uh, on a mantle, so to speak, and 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 doing everything we can to to maximize the uh, utility from that, treating it like an engine.
8: Yeah, the idea, idea is to to try different things that. and experiment.
4: Excuse me, excuse me, Mo, and using that. Yeah, for Context, uh, given uh, that we've, that we now have HIFA available to us, using HIFA for housekeeping, which is it's an amazing UI, but but keeping the the actual compensation uh, decision-making within the fractal process, purely within the fractal process, including any, any, uh, any roles, uh, all of that uh uh, yeah, that that would that would be the the approach that I would take, and I think we went yeah. in the opposite direction, and we've we've created a lot of very complicated, uh, uh, overcomplicated systems, uh, and it's not something that I don't think this is approach that a, a software developer would take. Uh, they would do a more incremental approach. They would start with something far simpler and get the the basics down, and then once you have the basics worked out they would begin to add, it, add to that. And I, I think this is just, we've, we've spread ourselves so thin on this. I think it's really the wrong approach. And uh, however, however, I give you and Mo and, and, and Patrick, who's not elected, but I give the, the three of you A plus for effort. You guys were there for all the meetings that I attended and I, I attended a lot. I know you've put a ton of work into this. So I'm not going to criticize, I'm not here to criticize your, your effort, but the result, I think, is bringing us in the wrong direction.
0: And what's great about Eden is everyone is free to express their opinions on Saturday, and we'll see, we'll see what the community ends up deciding. just beyond the two-hour mark. At this point, we can open up the stage um, for the open mic discussion. If you've got updates, topics, questions, off-topic banter, whatever it is, feel free to jump on. We can continue talking about Eden as well. No problems there.
8: Uh, can I just add something real quick? Because uh, from my end, I'm probably going to go in a little bit. Uh, but let me just say that it's really important that everyone here register through the um, Telegram upvote bot, the Eden upvote bot, uh, which will simplify the elections a great deal. And the idea is that you have the uh, upvote bot on one side of your screen and the Eden OS on the, or the Eden uh, UI on the other, the, the website on the other and through both of them, um, it'll create a much smoother uh, election experience. So I urge everyone to do that and um, I believe you guys have till uh, 12 UTC Friday
0: to register. Yeah, there's uh, just over 50 people registered so far. I think it was 54 when I checked earlier today. Let's see here. Did we get some new sign-ups during the Fireside? 52, si- 52 signed up so far in case you're curious. Anyways, thank you very much, Mo, for joining us on the Fireside and answering all of our questions. And yeah, thanks uh, to you and as well, Lenny, for all of the work that obviously went into this new proposal. Uh, like I said, I like It feels like it's Solid in terms of game theory, the incentives seem well thought out, and looking forward to see how it all shakes out on Saturday during the election.
4: Thank you, Stefan.
8: I think we have Patrick talking in the background.
0: Yes, I hear you, Patrick. I've not muted you
5: yet today. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say to all this discussion, um, okay, so uh, Lenny and Mo have made a good job on this term. Can't uh, hear. You are here? Yeah, if you can speak a bit louder, or maybe
0: closer to your mic? You're coming in a bit low.
5: Do you hear me better? better? Yes. I just want to say to be very, Yeah, baby. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say uh, I was there since the day of the, after the election already. I am not a delegate level one on this term, and that doesn't matter. I have been committed and cl- closely following what was happening in every call. And I want to shout out Mo and Lenny for their uh, uh, calm and always able to explain the things, how they are, and not how some people want to think how that should be and speculate. So all is well written into the document. That's a document with with flow charts very well made by CIC. Shout out to him. And every people that has been involved closely and making videos, uh, Twitter engagement, um, we were like a team. And I love that. I'm very excited for this election on Saturday with uh, Lovejoy doing the Master of Ceremony. Shout out to Lovejoy. And I am happy to see people very committed, and not only doing promises, and uh, not coming just with a specific project for themselves, but coming with something cohesive for uh, Eden Onios, for EOS indeed, Eden EOS. That's not Eden. That's not Morikul Animal Book. That's not all that. That's a worker proposal system with an embedded data governance in it with people that take action and do and go to fractal meetings to show what they have made week after week. With KPIs, cockpit will be made. I will do. Also, if I am not elected, also if I am not a delegate level one, I don't care. I am just happy with this um how it is going how is it going? And this bylaws, purpose paper, and dispute resolution process, that's the result of a strategy workshop with Gabriel Shaw, uh, that has joined and helped us. So the bylaws are, are the outcome. That's not just a document to make a document. That's made of a mission a purpose, a mission, and values how we can help EOS, and how we can collaborate together. So shout out to Lenny, shout out to Mo. And the people that have not joined the meetings, maybe they have at least seen the, the calls or read the documents. And every opinion is good when you have read and make the, the job to understand. And thank you, Stefan, for your good questions, because you are a poker guy. We, we see that, and you ask the, the right questions. Uh, I'm very happy. So go and on I'm, next I'm election. I'm happy
0: when you yeah. say I'm a poker guy. World yeah, yeah, games, I know. What's going on right now, day one
5: see. Yeah, join on 12 UTC already on Saturday, because there will be AMA, some questions. Today there was an AMA. There was just four of us joining, but that's okay. And by the way, it's into the Telegram. You can see the video. So good job and go EOS. Thank you, Patrick, and go EOS.
0: All right, last call. Anyone want to jump on stage? Now's the time to do it.
5: Yes! My grandmother stated one day, you cannot give a voter to a camel that doesn't want to drink. So I leave at that. Thank you. I think think we
0: need to implement an upvote
5: mechanism from the pop bot
0: so that everyone can vote on whether or not we need to mute Patrick from time to time. I feel like... I don't want to be the one doing it, you know? Just kidding, Patrick. Love the engagement, love the contributions, but it's fun teasing you a bit.
5: Yeah, if you want to give a chance to Perry to jump on and uh, making shit, that's the right way to do.
4: Love you too,
0: Patrick. And there we go, Patrick got server muted. Let's not let things escalate here.
5: All right, and now Ish pushing is the news. Oh, CIC has made that. Yeah, the news he is the new. He didn't
0: even know I muted him. Jeez. He's
5: the new god. The news is the new god. He's doing nothing but he's bullshit every people. Okay, Patrick, Patrick, let's keep it positive. Yeah, yeah, but I say the true. I am not.
0: Okay, po- yeah, I it's am okay not to share your opinion. It's okay to share your opinion, but you know, rehashing the same thing over and over. I don't know how how valuable really that is at this point.
5: Yeah, I know. That's good to say.
0: All right. I guess we're gonna wrap it up here before things escalate more. Um, thank you everyone for joining. Uh, thanks to our guest speakers. Thanks to everyone who participated in the discussions. And until ne- next week, let's go. Oh yeah!
5: Thank you, CSC. Go your smell.
4: Yeah, baby, yeah.